Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. All right, happy Thanksgiving weekend. You all look bigger. No, no, but full. You look full. Thankful. How's that? Thankful? Uh, we are thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be pastor of this church. And I'm thankful that you are here. Now, let me give you some reasons you can be thankful uh, because this is a wonderful church and God's doing great things. This week, and this week alone, we had four people we've been praying for were released from the hospital. And that's good news because here's why. Amen. Here's why. Because next week it might be you. And you'll have a church praying for you that God will heal you and release you from the hospital. And so that's good news. Not only that, uh, last Sunday we had a new members class, and including children, we had over 30 people join our church last Sunday. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and not only that, uh, we did 175 uh, boxes to uh, uh, Samaritan's Purse, helping children around the world for Christmas. That's cool. Thank you for supporting that, being part of that. And also on Thursday, we delivered 185 meals downtown Knoxville and also Lake City and some local homes uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, we partnered with Second Baptist Church. The total is about 1,500 meals. And so uh, God is doing great things. I'm thankful. You should be thankful too. Let's say thank you to God with a hand clap of praise. Now, I don't usually make announcements before uh, I preach, but my wife is over the women's ministry with Kim, and next week is the tea. Ladies, if you hadn't signed up for the tea, sign up for the tea. You can do that on Church Center app or the Connection Center. I will have a happy wife this afternoon, and a happy wife is a happy life. And so now we are ready to dive into the book of Exodus chapter 3. And I'm telling you today, this chapter is for you. You need to learn this chapter and, and, and I want to back up because when I get to Exodus chapter 3, it's like some of the other uh, chapters in Exodus, it's kind of, we've heard it before. And so if we're not careful, we say, oh yeah, it's the burning bush thing. I heard that in Bible school, felt bored, you know. So I don't want to do that. I want to kind of erase our memory because there's so much stuff in here for you. 3,500 years ago, Moses had an encounter with God, and it's how God orchestrates encounters, and it's how God does things in our life, and we're going to see that today, and it is applicable for everybody. Now, listen to me. Moses was born a miracle, okay? His life begins with a miracle. In a day when the king had issued an edict that said all baby boys are to be post-birth aborted, all baby boys. The midwives are supposed to kill them at birth, and if that doesn't happen, throw them in the Nile River, feed them to the alligators. Okay, that was real, all right? And out of that scenario comes this little baby whose name would become Moses. He's a miracle. He's born a miracle. But then something happens. 80 years goes by, and there's no record of a miracle. He's just living life in the middle. And, and that's what life feels like sometimes. We, we, we have like an encounter with God or, or we know there's a miracle in our life, but then we go for a season, a minute or two, where there, it doesn't seem like there's a miracle. It's just like kind of like life in the middle of the miracles and we wonder what's next. And if we're not careful, we take our eyes off of the one who provides the miracles in our lives and we focus on the things in this world. And I want to warn you, that's a, that's a dead end. It will not land you in victory uh, corner. All right, And so we're going to look in the life of Moses how God uh, helps us know the keys to living life in the middle of the miracles. And it's for you. Because maybe it's not today, and maybe you just walked through it. Maybe you walk through it next year. God wants you to know how to do this thing, just life in the middle. Look at your neighbor and say, life in the middle can be good too. 
Now, on the back of your worship guide, you'll see a whole lot of points. You're thinking, we are not going to make it to Aubrey's before the Methodist Church, okay? These are not points. These are keys. So we're going to approach them differently. We're going to kind of go through these pretty quickly, uh, and I'll get you out time for lunch sometime today. Now, life in the middle. Point number one on the back of your life guide is initiation. I want you to notice what happens and where it comes from. It says in verse 1 of chapter 3, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flocks to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Pause. Now here's an 80-year-old guy, all right? 40 years trained in Egypt to be the heir apparent to Pharaoh, the next in charge. And then he murdered a man. Yeah, that'll mess up your, that'll mess up your life. Now he's on the run, okay? He's been on the run now for 40 years. He went from royalty to servanthood. He doesn't own anything. He marries a, 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 a lady named Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro, and he takes care of his father-in-law's sheep. sheep. For 40 years, he's been doing this, all right? And so it's like an average day for an average guy now um, in an average life, so it seems. I want you to know something today, that sometimes our life seems average, mundane, routine, and just not that exciting. Kind of the doldrums, the blahs of life sometimes. Listen, sometimes it may seem that way from our perspective, but God is still on his throne. And what may seem average to us may not be an average day to God. You see, on this particular day, something happened on God's phone. It chirped him on his calendar and said, hey, God, uh, don't forget about Moses. You see, on this day, something different than average was going to happen. God was going to initiate an encounter with an average guy on an average day. Not only that, he's going to use an average bush. You see, in the Hebrew, the word for bush is, is uh, selah which means uh, an average bush, an acacia or a thorn bush. And so in this moment, God initiates something different, something different. Just like that, everything is going to change. I want you to know, maybe you're here today and you're in that middle, life in the middle zone where it just doesn't seem like a miracle. It doesn't seem like God is like doing great things in your life. You just hang on. Watch what happens. God will initiate a change. It comes from him. If you're here today and you're saved, that's a miracle of God, okay? You couldn't save you. You sure can't mess you up, but you can't fix you. God had to perform a miracle, a miracle of himself on a cross, bleeding for your sin to pay your penalty, rising from the dead. If you're saved, you are a product of a miracle, okay? God initiated that miracle, and I want you to know any miracle in your life, it is initiated by God. You getting saved was not a matter of you waking up one day and saying, you know, I got friends of mine that are saved. And you know, I, I'm kind of beginning to wonder, there, maybe there is a real place called hell and I don't want to go there. I think today I'm going to get saved. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit of God has to initiate that. He has to invite you. He has to quicken you. He has to speak into your soul and let you know that you're lost and there's hope found in Jesus. And so God initiates an activity in life in the middle. Number two, an invitation. Of verse uh, four, the, second, uh, the first part says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from the bush. He said, Moses, Moses, hear this unconsumed bush is now got a voice. So things are getting a little 
weird. Things are getting a little bit different. And so God gives a, a name, a personal name, invitation, listen to me, to an 80-year-old shepherd. It's kind of cool. He picks people. He didn't pick him. He didn't invite him when he was in royalty. He invited him when he's in the middle of the desert of Midian. You see, he just picks people because he loves people and he wants to do great things in the lives of the people that he loves. And that includes Moses, listen to me, and it includes you. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter your intellect, your education, your accomplishments, or your failures. God loves you and he wants to initiate a move and he wants to personally invite you into a kingdom agenda. Now watch this. Number three, presentation. We have initiation, we have an invitation, now we have a presentation. Last week we looked at this verse called it posturing ourselves. The presentation is this. It's the best answer you can ever give to God. Are you ready? He says in 4B, and Moses said to God, who just said, Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. It tells God, listen, simply this, I don't know what you're asking of me, you haven't revealed that yet, but I'm saying you got my ear. I'm listening, here I am. Now, pay close attention because this is the simplest, most profound, the, the, the best answer you can ever get when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. When God calls your name, okay, the best answer is simply say, you got my ear. I am here. Here I am. Now, now here's the thing. In our life, I've done this. You've done this. Well, of course you would say, here I am. If you're in the wilderness and you see a burning bush that talks to you, I mean, everybody in here, well, I would follow God if he would light up a bush and speak from it. Pause. We get so foolish sometimes. Here's an 80-year-old man walking around an average day in the wilderness. He's been doing it for 40 years. He's got his father-in-law's sheep. He has this encounter with a bush that's on fire, not consumed, speaks to him. He comes home. He tells Zipporah, his wife, Gershom, and his brother, his sons. He tells Jethro, his father-in-law, and all the friends, I got to tell you what happened to him last week, man. So I just got back, but on Friday, man, I was in the wilderness taking care of, the, of my father-in-law's sheep and uh, this bush, I saw this bush and it was on fire, but I noticed it wasn't burning up and I went over closer and you know what? It said, Moses, Moses, you know what they're going to say? We told you to lay off of the old wine. You know what? You're 80. This is dementia 101. That's what this is. Okay. And you think, oh, if I had a burning bush, if you had a burning bush, they'd think you were crazy too. You see, God speaks to us in different ways because God is a big God. And if, if he wants to speak to you in a bush, he'll do that. If he wants to speak to you through a cat, I don't think he would, they're of the devil. But if he wanted to, he could because he's God and he's bigger than that. Now, God still speaks to us. I want you to know that. He is a God who wants to have a relationship with you, an intimate relationship where he speaks to you and you speak to him. It's not just a monologue. It can be. It's a dialogue. He wants a conversation. He wants a, a relationship with you. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. After God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days, which are the days between Jesus' first return, uh, excuse me, Jesus' first coming and his second coming, he says, he has spoken to us in a son, his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the world. I want you to know God still speaks today. He wants to speak to you personally. How does he do that? 
however he wants to, but I can give you a list of a few ways. First is the word of God. It is the best, most easily interpreted and understood, the least risk involved, the most common way God speaks to us is through his word. Listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says, make every effort to pre- present yourself before God as a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed. Okay, how do we do that? He says, teaching the message of truth accurately. Your, your translation may say, rightly dividing the word of truth, meaning you're dissecting, you're in the word of God, you're studying the word of God, and you're taking it into your life. Now, he says, all scripture, why? All scripture is God-breathed. Greek is theonoustos, the breath of God. He says, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There it is. God will speak to you in his word. He's speaking to you today. He's attempting to from Exodus, 3,500 years old, but it's eternal. Remember that. He, He wants to speak to you through his word. It's why it's so important that you read your Bible. It doesn't matter if it's an app It doesn't matter if it's audio. It doesn't matter if it's a a paper Bible. You need to be in the word of God because God will speak to your life through his word. Number two, through the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 26, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, through godly counsel. Counsel from others is good. Now, you have to be careful of who's really godly counsel, but when you find godly counsel, we should listen to it. It says in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of the fool is right in his own opinion, but the one who listens to advice, he is wise. God speaks through the, his audible voice sometimes. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, who's persecuting the church, has a firsthand encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And he he fell to the ground, it says in verse 4, and heard a voice, an audible voice. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So Saul said to him, who are you, Lord? And he replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now, let me pause right here because people would like to have a voice from God, like an audible voice from God. Does God still speak audible voice? If he wants to, he's God, okay? No bars, no, no, no holes barred there, okay? Has he spoken to me audibly? No, he knows better, okay? Because I don't hear good. Kendra was in the, in, the, in the first service. I worked in, the, in the, uh, the foundry business for several years as an engineer. I was out in the plant, okay, really, really loud. I worked construction my whole life, okay, really, really loud. I listened to music really, really loud. Went to a lot of concerts, way too loud. So to this day, I can't hear. Now, Kendra knows that, but I don't know what it is with women about their husband not being able to hear. She can get my attention like this, Joel. Yeah, house is on fire. That's what I'm thinking, okay? What? What what, are you speaking in tongues? What is, I can't hear that. You know I cannot hear. Why did you get my attention? I put the brakes on. I'm walking out the door. I'm listening. What? I don't know what that is. My grandmother used to do that to my grandfather. He was was terribly deaf. And and, And she would say, Sam. And he'd say, what? And she'd go, she'd put her hand up. And me and my brother would be like, what's she doing? What is it? Who taught her to do that? That's terrible, okay? So I'm just confessing that. I don't hear well. God knows that. I can mess that up. I do mess it up on a regular basis. So sometimes what seems audible is not audible at all. I had a young man here once that told me, he said, I think God spoke to me audibly this morning during worship. I said, really? It's cool, man. 
I said, what part of the service? It was during the song. I said, was it loud? He said, it really loud. I said, did anybody else hear it? I don't know. I said, well, if it was audible and there were people around, they would have heard it too, right? I said, maybe he didn't speak audible. Maybe it was louder than audible and all you know is audible. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When God speaks to your soul, you cannot mess that up. You can't misinterpret the words. When he speaks into the depths of your soul, he is so articulate, you cannot mess it up. Now, you can mess up your response to it, but you can't mess up him speaking to the depths of who you are. However, if God chooses to speak to you audibly, he's God, certainly he can do that. Also, God speaks through dreams, Matthew chapter 1. God speaks through visions, Acts chapter 10. God speaks through angels, Luke chapter 1. God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through his creation. Listen to this in Psalm 19, 1 and 2. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. He can speak through nature. And in case we haven't covered them all, he can incorporate multiple uh, things at the same time and speak through a burning bush. He's God and he knows how to communicate to you. The problem is often we don't have our antenna up. We're listening to everything. We're tuned into everything else but God. Meanwhile, we live in this life in the middle of miracles and it gets mundane and it gets routine and we get disappointed and disenchanted and frustrated. And meanwhile, God is on his throne and he said, hey, I'm not done. Life in the middle, it's not, it's not finished yet. If you'll just listen, I have more for you. And so we understand that there's an initiation and there's an invitation and there is a presentation, excuse me, a presentation. Now, presentation looks like this. He said, here I am. Now, once we're ready and, and we've tuned our ear to God to hear what he says, the next one we miss this is the most challenging one in all of the keys to living life successfully in the middle of the miracles. Are you ready? Purification. This is the one we don't like. A purification in verse 5 says, God says, okay, I got your ear. You said, here I am. Do not come any closer. I got your attention. Stop right where you are. He says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, what is that? What is holy ground? Holy ground is anywhere that God is at. When God shows up, he brings holiness into, in, into the story, okay? Because he's holy. The scripture says that we're supposed to be holy. He says, be ye holy as God is holy. Be ye perfect as God is perfect. His challenge, his command is, is that in our life. Now, now, where do we get that? Where, where's the holy ground? And what does he mean take your shoes off? You see, God now has, has Moses' attention. And sometimes we get this, this goofy idea that, okay, now I've got an encounter with God, okay? God says, before you come any closer, take your shoes off. Now, in that day, keep in mind who Moses was, a 40-year seasoned shepherd. You know what he walked around in every day? Sheep stuff, okay? That's what he did. And now he's gonna come before God, and God says, hold, hold on, bro. You're gonna come into holiness. Take your shoes off. Here, here it is. Here's the message. Listen. Get rid of the filth before you come in. I've got your attention. You know I'm real. I've called your name. I've invited you in. 
You need to remove your sandals. You need to remove the filthiness in your life before you can come any further. And so, and so where is this place of holiness? It can be anywhere that God shows up. By all means, it could be the church. How do we know? Because scripture tells us in Matthew 18, where two or more are gathered, I am in their midst. As a believer, we can be all by ourselves, and holiness can be there if God is with us and alive and, and, and moving in that moment. Sometimes we forget that. We forget to take off our sandals, to remove the filthiness. So what do we, we come to church? And we come to church and we complain. Now, I know nobody in here, but those people that skip today, sometimes they complain. Okay? And we murmur, you know, I don't like this, I don't like that. We complain about brothers and sisters in Christ. Some churches, they complain about the preacher. I know that doesn't happen here, praise the Lord. Okay, but some churches, it's real, all right? And and, and so we complain, and, and God says, listen, you are missing the next part of the blessing in the life in the middle of the miracles because you haven't taken off your sandals. You still got filth in your life. Now, once we understand like Moses that we need to check our filth and our baggage at the door, leave our complaints outside, listen to me, an encounter with God means we just kind of forget about the world out there, the things that we normally just saturate our lives, we just check them at the door for an encounter, a purified encounter with the true and living God. And so we begin to listen. Now, when we do that, and so Moses, no doubt, okay, they're off, okay? That's what we did. That's the response. We, we, we intentionally begin to remove the filthiness in our life. Now, listen what happens here. Illumination. Once we're ready, now God's going to shine on us and tell us something and show us something that will change our life. It says in verse 6, then, then what? When he had removed his sandals. When he began the purification process, removing the filth, because he's entering into the holiness of God. He says, then God said, I am God. It's pretty heavy. He says, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I've got friends of mine that, that somehow have this idea, I can't wait to get to heaven. Life's been hard. I got some questions. I can't wait to look at God because I get to ask him, why'd you let this happen in my life? God, why did this go on? I got some questions for God. Let, let me just go ahead and bust your bubble. Nope. It doesn't happen that way. When you have an encounter with the true and living God, the God who whispered everything in existence out of nothing at all ex nihilo, okay? We don't have any questions. What we do is we do what Moses did. I'm scared, okay? He hid his face because he's afraid. A reverential fear, not a he's going to punch me in the face fear, a fear that he's God. I didn't get it. He's God so much what I am not, he is. And all of a sudden we forget about our questions. And Moses, I know you've got some questions. Does anybody, and and let me just say this, let me go ahead and let me say this. God is big enough for your questions. Ask God all the questions you want to ask him. He, quite honestly, you cannot create a question he hadn't heard before. He's very experienced in answering questions. 
Ask him questions. But don't think one day you're going to walk in, gallop into the throne room. Well, it's about time, God. I got some questions. It doesn't work that way. It's not going to work that way. Okay? So you got some questions? Moses had some good questions, right? Moses could say, okay, God, I took my shoes off. Before we go any further, um, where were you at when they murdered all my friends? All of my boy friends that I didn't know yet, all of them murdered but me. Where were you at in that? Uh, God, for 40 years I was separated from my family in Egypt. Where were you? Uh, God, uh, for 40 years now, I've been in the wilderness stomping around in borrowed sheep stuff. They're not even, I don't even own nothing. They're Jethro's. Where have you been? But in that moment, Moses had no questions. He only had reverential fear for an amazing God. Now, what does that look like? I don't, I don't really know in that moment, but I can tell you in my life. I've had moments like that. So I got saved when I was 10, all right? And I had a moment where he, it was a miracle. He saved me. But then it got a little life in the middle miserable. You know, not victorious Christianity. Kind of defeated Christianity. But then in 1988, Kendra and I were married, and we were in a great church, a church that preached the Bible. And we were in a great life group, doing life together. We had two little girls, and, 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 and I was ordained as a deacon. I was going on visitation. I was hungry for Jesus, man. I was reading my Bible a lot. I mean, I, was, I just got really turned on to God, and I was really diving in. And so one day I was coming home from work, and it was about 4.30, and I didn't realize, I didn't know this, I didn't understand this chapter till now, but that's what it looked like. God invited me, he initiated something, and he invited me in, and he had told me, hey, you need to get the junk out of your life. You need to get, take your sandals off. And, and what that meant for me was I, I worked in an environment that was just profane. It was just people couldn't talk without cussing. And I'd picked up some of those words, and God's like, why are you cussing? You don't need that stuff. Yeah, I know. And I had picked up a habit of pornography from a child. God said, you don't need that in your life. That junk out of here. And it wasn't prevalent like it is now, but it was there. He said, you don't need that in your life. And he says, why are you listening to that garbage music? If you want a taste of, of, of holiness, change your music. And don't get me wrong, we got good Christian music now. Okay, Love 89, 88.3, 90, 106.7. This is good Christian music. In the 80s, it was like uh, right out of the chute. I mean, they just opened the package of Christian music. It was not what it is. We had like Carmen. Seriously. Wasn't that his name? Yeah, you old people know. Okay. But I started listening to Christian music. I took out the profanity. He just removed them, by the way. I didn't have to do a lot of work. He just removed them. So one day, 4.30 in the afternoon, I'm, I'm going home from work. At, and I just noticed the sky was really blue. I was in a convertible, a Suzuki Samurai. Okay? Sky was blue. It's big cotton ball clouds. It was kind of cool. And then, and then out of nowhere, I noticed the, they hadn't cut the, the, the fescue yet along the highway, and the wind was blowing through the fescue. And it was just, it was like waving at me. I'm like, dude, what's going on? All right? Now, I've got a confession here. I'm not a crier. I mean, I'll go to a movie, you know, watch Rudolph and have to swallow the grapefruit. <laughs> you know, but I won't cry. I'm not, not a weeping crier, okay? 
And I'm not proud of that, just how I'm wired, okay? But on this day, God got in the Suzuki Samurai, okay, and busted me in the soul. And I started weeping, pardon, I don't mean this bad, like a little girl. I mean, little boys can cry, but little girls, man, y'all can whip it up. I raised y'all, I know. Man, you turn it on. I was a blubbering crier. I'm pulling the car over. I can't even see. And I'm trying to control it. I try to get my composure. I'm swallowing. I'm wiping. People are like, man, hey, hey, what's up? You know, they don't know what's going on. And for 15 minutes, I'm crying and cannot stop. And I didn't know why. And then God spoke to me. And he said, we're going to a new place. Now listen to me. I'm not bragging on me because God showed up in that Suzuki. Listen to me. I was on 20, Highway 27 between Chattanooga and Saudi Daisy in a Suzuki Samurai. If God will show up in Saudi Daisy in a Suzuki Samurai, I promise you he'll show up wherever you are. Okay? He doesn't care. But we have to do it his way. He initiates the whole thing. And then he invites us in and he says, hey, man, take off your shoes. You got to get ready because this is big. You can't come in like you've been coming in. We're going to a new place. And when we do, he'll meet us and it will knock your socks off. It's addictive. You long for another moment. And I've had those moments. You'll long for other moments when the holiness of God will show up and, and invite you to a different place in your journey rather than just camping out in this land in the middle now, once, once he comes in, you're purified, he illuminates himself to you. Now he's going to make a declaration, okay? That's what's next. When he shines on himself and says, this is who I am, he's going to make a declaration. When I got saved, when I was 10 years old, I didn't understand it. But what he did is he, he made a declaration over me. When I received his gift of grace into his family, adopted into his forever family, he made a declaration over me. He says, from this day forward, bro, you are the son of the true and living God. You're no longer a child of the devil. You're a child of mine. You will spend eternity with me in heaven regardless of what you do from this day forward because you have received my gift of grace. I'll be with you every day. I want to walk with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless your life. He made a declaration over, over my life. Now listen what happens in Moses' life. He makes a declaration, verse 7. Then the Lord said... I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And Moses is thinking, well, that's good. And then he says, I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. Moses is thinking, we're heading in the right direction. Man, this is awesome. And then he says, I am concerned about their suffering. Moses is thinking, me too. Then verse 8, so I have come down to rescue them. Yes, Moses is thinking, yes, this, this covenant promise of 400 years ago, it's happening like right now. And God's telling me he's getting ready to do it. Now watch this, curveball. He says, to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me I have seen the ways of the Egyptians, how they are oppressing them. And Moses is saying, yes, God, yes. Go, God, go. Now, here's where the curveball, the zinger to the face comes. Verse 10, God says, so now go. I am sending you 
to Pharaoh to bring, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Bam. Well, we were doing real good, God, but that last part, you know, you don't really need me. God is declaring over Moses, we're going someplace. It's not a, it's not a job interview. It's not a negotiation for a benefits package. It's, it's a declaration. I'm going to free those people, and I'm going to use you. Now, it's kind of cool when you think about that, that God would use an 80-year-old shepherd who's been stomping around in sheep mess for 40 years to use him to deliver a whole nation. I want you to know something. God will use you. Everybody stick one hand up. Everybody's got a hand up. He'll use you. Use your willing. You just have to get to that place and let him do what he wants to do. Now watch this. After the declaration, here comes the, the, the point of clarity of who's doing this thing. Qualification. You see, Moses says, but Moses. That all sounded good, but. But Moses said to God, who am I? Let me pause right there. In verse 4, he said, here am I. Now we're in verse 11. He says, who am I? And in just a minute, he's going to say, who are you? I mean, he is a point of confusion in this journey, life in the middle between miracles. He goes from here I am, who, uh, who I am, <laughs> who are you? Now watch this. He says, and God said, I'll be with you. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. A sign's going to be, you're going to lead them all out, two and a half million of you going to hang out on this mountain. We're going to have a big worship service right here. Okay, it's going to go full circle. Now Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? Moses is at the crossroads where he's getting ready to introduce a nation to a God they don't know. Now, listen, Egypt knew the word God, lowercase g-o-d. They got it. They had gods over places and gods over people and gods over events and gods over uh, atmosphere. They had all kinds of a pantheon of lowercase g gods. They didn't know God, God. Okay. They didn't know capital G God. They didn't know the God who transcends the gods they created. They didn't know the God who, uh, who preexisted them and the gods they created they didn't know there's a God who predetermines everything. They didn't know there's a, a preeminent God who created and sustains everything, uh, who owes us nothing and lavishes everything on us. They're getting ready to meet capital G, big God, the true and living Yahweh God. Now, here it is. In your life, right now, in my life, we all have a tendency to embrace this pantheon of lowercase g gods. And you may think, that's no, not me. I want you to think about this week. What did you think of more than anything else in this week? Okay, that's a lowercase g god. If you didn't think of capital G, Yahweh God more, you've created this lowercase g and raised him up. All of us do it. Okay, I'm not, all of us. I would have you raise your hands, but I don't want some of you to lie. It's just true. Okay, we all do it. We have things in our life that, man, we elevate and becomes lowercase g God. And we've got to get to a place where we're reminded 
There is a true and living one, capital G God, and his name is Yahweh, a name, a name so profoundly holy that Jewish scribes wouldn't even write the name. That's why it's letters in Hebrew, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. When, when they were writing the Bible, when they got to the name God, they would go and ceremonial cleanse, ceremonially cleanse themselves and pray and take up a new writing instrument because they didn't want to, they didn't, they didn't want to write his name because he's God, okay? Now, now, all of a sudden, we realize the God we're talking about if we need a definition of who he is, we miss the whole thing. If we need a resume from him to qualify him that he really is God, we miss the whole thing. If we need to de debate and have some philosophical or theological argument about him, we miss the whole thing. If we think we can package him in time and space and define him and articulate who he is to somebody else, we've missed the whole thing. You see, our God is outside of that. He's bigger than that. And that's why when he wants to have a moment with you somewhere in your life in the middle of miracles, we need to give it attention. We need to hear I am it, okay, before God. And so Moses starts asking these questions, who am I? I want you to understand something. Your qualifications mean absolutely nothing to God. You see, Moses said, who am I? You keep reading. God doesn't say, who are you, bro? Are you kidding me? You're Moses. You're Moses, man. You look, I picked you because you're so stinking pickable. Look at you, look at what you've done. Man, I've gifted you. You're amazing, Moses. He doesn't give him a pet talk. He says, It ain't about you, Moses. The qualifications you need, I bring to the table. I'm the one sending you. I'm the one going with you. All you have to do, Moses, is stand in my qualifications. How do I know this is true? Because I'm a pastor, a great church. I am so unqualified to pastor a church. You knew my life for the last 60 years, train wreck. If you knew my mental capacity, zero. If you knew my speech impediment growing up, and some of you say, yeah, he still got that. Okay, if you knew me, you would agree he's unqualified. The good news is God uses us because he's qualified, not because we're qualified. Isn't that good news? And as some of you, I, don't, I got the qualifications. <laughs> You're a joke. You have no qualifications unless you have the qualifications of God. Listen, God does not use us because of our ability God uses us because of our availability, and that's it. Next, revelation. Now, he's told Moses, you don't need to bring anything to the table as long as you bring me. Now he's going to give him a revelation. Verse 14, so God said to Moses, I am who I am, and this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The I am he's talking about is the ever-present, omnipotent, omniscient, always in the now, complete and sustaining, unimpacted by anything, God. He says, that's who you bring into the table. You're going to show up with, a, with the biggest God this world has ever seen because it's the biggest God, the only true God that's ever existed, and you're going to bring me to the table. 
We just celebrated Thanksgiving. And, and of all the people in the world, Christians have the greatest reason to have a thankful heart and a heart of gratitude. Because we can look and see the traceable fingerprints of God in our life. And, and if you can't, it may be that you're not a believer today. You're not a child of God. I, I'm telling you, God, you, can, you should be able to look back and say, God has left fingerprints and footprints in my life. I can see what somebody has done that I couldn't do for myself. And he is a traceable God. And, and he's made promises for us into the future. And so we find ourselves right in the middle of these miracles God is still God and he's still on his throne. So what else is there? Watch this. I want you to know the truth of the matter. A walk with God in between the miracles of life is wonderful, victorious, amazing, and supernatural. But it's not easy. Here's the expectation God gives to Moses. And it's the same for us. He says in verse 15, God also said to Moses, you can say to the Israelites that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my forever name. The name that you shall call me is the same name that they call me. And then he goes on from generation to generation. It's going to be the same name. And he says, verse 16, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. They're in the middle, okay? They've been in the middle for 400 years, okay? Verse 17, I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and your elders are going to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. Now listen. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he'll let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. God has just given Moses a full expectation of the future. And life... It, the miracle hadn't happened yet. And life in the miracle, what are the miracles? The miracle is he adopted them as his people, the nation of Israel, the children of Jacob, the future, the posterity of Abraham. And God has promised them a, a land of milk and honey, this promised land. And they're still in this land in the middle between those miracles. And he says, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless your socks off. But I want you to know something. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be pharaohs in your life who hate you and hate me and won't understand. 
And there's going to be armies in this world who stand against you. And there's going to be ites in this world. Jebusites and Amorites and Termites and uh, Wokabites and Politicites and every other flavor of ite that will try to stand in between you and the promise I have out there. He says, but in the end, all of y'all going to make it out here. All two and a half million or so are going to make it before me. And we're going to go in to the land of milk and honey. And you say, okay, what does that have to do with me? Are you ready here? We're, we're almost finished. Moving from bondage to freedom does not come without obstruction, interference, and a fight. Because the enemy has enjoyed his time and power, and he will not lay down without a fight to keep you in that old bondage. Now, here it is. What does that mean for you? What does this mean? This is Moses, right? He was in the middle of miracles, right? A miracle birth and the promised land out there. He's in the land in the middle. What about you? What about me? If you're here today and you've experienced a miracle in your past, an answered prayer in your past, if you've had a new birth, a miracle birth, a born-again experience with Jesus, would you raise your left hand and just keep it up? Just keep it up. That's, that's the God of your past. Keep it up. That's the God of your past. All right? That's the miracle bookend of your past. If you believe that same God who saved you is preparing a heaven for you, where there is no sick and no suffering and no dying and no disenchanted, there's victory in the presence of the Lord, and you count on that as a promise in the future, raise your right hand. Now listen to me. I'm, you know what I'm looking around? I'm looking at faces of people who are in the middle of the miracles and you listen listen to me listen to me if you believe that that God saved you and you believe that that God is going to deliver you into his presence in heaven you can trust him right here in the middle of those miracles amen let's give him a hand clap of praise I don't know what your life looks like right now I don't know but you're in the middle because you haven't arrived yet the good news is we know God hangs out in the past and we know he hangs out in the future because he's eternal. The great stuff is God camps out right in the middle where we are. You may be in a hard spot in your life. God will in initiate and invite you into a moment in the middle. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't get it. Maybe you don't have a relationship. Maybe you're like Moses for the first 80 years of his life. He knew about God, but he didn't know God. And maybe today the invitation is for you to know him, to simply present your, the presentation, to present yourself. Okay, God, I get it. Here I am. All right? And let him reveal himself to you and receive his grace gift into your life become a child of God but for the rest of us I want you to know God knows where you are he's got you right there in the palm of his hand in the land in the middle of the miracles and he wants to take you 
and walk with you to the other side. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this amazing chapter three of this book of Exodus. God, I thank you that that it's just real. We find a man who's an average guy living an average life in an average land, standing beside an average bush. But a way beyond average God, you shows up. God, it's my prayer today that in my life and in my family's life and in our church's life and in the lives of the families represented here today, God, that we will realize that we're average, but you are way outside of average and you desire to have a fresh encounter with us. You do all the work, but God, you do ask us to begin to purify ourselves. God, I pray that our church would be a church full of people who are pursuing a new level of holiness and purity in our lives that we would set aside the the junk the sheep stuff that we stomp around in every day and we'll step out of that and walk into your holiness god if there's someone here today who doesn't know you in a real way it's my prayer that your holy spirit would invite them into your family and that you would give them courage to receive your grace gift of jesus into their life God it's my prayer that no spirit would be allowed in here but the Holy Spirit to convict hearts and to give strength to receive salvation and for the rest of us God speak beyond audible speak into the depths of our soul about the areas of our life where we need to take our sandals off and remove the filth from our life take us to a whole new place in this land in the middle. And we'll give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.